Welcome to the Faith in Maine podcast. I'm Katie Clark, your host. We are sharing stories of life and faith and ministry across our 58 churches, 18 summer chapels, Camp Bishopswood, three Jubilee centers, and ministries that make up the Episcopal Diocese of Maine. Today, we'd like to share with you a sermon preached by the Reverend Allison Cornish, who is a program consultant with the BTS Center. The sermon is preached for our September 12th diocese-wide online worship service. You can watch that service in its entirety on our Episcopal Maine YouTube and Facebook channels. With roots dating back to 1814, the BTS Center is a private foundation in Portland, Maine, building on the legacy of the former Bangor Theological Seminary. To learn more about the BTS Center, visit thebtscenter.org. Enjoy Reverend Cornish's sermon. It seems wherever I look lately, war has been declared on trees. That's not how it's presented or even understood by most. No, not at all. But that's how I'm seeing it and hearing it and deeply feeling it. One day this past spring, as my husband and I walked into town, he said, you know what I read in the morning paper? All the street trees downtown are slated to be cut down. I was sure he must have read something wrong. Why ever would anyone do that? I mean, our downtown is only three blocks long, yet the trees are so much a part of the village. He must have read that wrong, I thought. But as we walked into the business district, the first tree we came to had a notice tied to it. This tree is slated for removal as part of the Bridge Street improvements. And on the notice were pictures of six different types of trees, candidates for replacements to be planted next year. We were invited to vote for our preferred species, but none of the above keep the trees wasn't an option listed. I counted 14 trees all through the downtown area had notices tied to them. I couldn't believe it. I felt as if I had been sucker punched in the stomach, the wind literally gone from me. The notices listed the project improvements, new water mains, accessible sidewalks, The loss of the trees, it seemed, was simply collateral damage. And it wasn't just our little downtown. Reading the paper in the following weeks, I read of trees cut down instead of being trimmed back because they grew too close to power lines. There were trees planned for removal to widen a road and a sidewalk right in front of our house. A neighbor clear cut her backyard and chainsaws and chippers droned in the background for more than two weeks. Now, standing in the middle of our village, I can turn and look at 360 degrees of surrounding hills, all of them densely covered in trees. I don't live in a desert. I live in a verdant place filled with bountiful greenery. So it's fair to ask, 
Why is the loss of these trees so devastating? Well, trees in small towns and in cities too bring much needed cooling shade and transpiration, especially where concrete and masonry soak up and radiate heat on these ever hotter summer days. Like trees everywhere, they too absorb carbon dioxide and release oxygen, the literal expression of the truism we are breathed into life by the trees. Trees provide habitat and food for local and migrating birds. And even those 14 doomed trees play a role in mitigating climate change by sequestering carbon. But in their particularity, street trees play a significant role in defining place. When I return to town from being away, I see the trees and the brick and stone buildings and also details like granite curbs and street benches and store signs and planters full of flowers. This, it all says, is where I live. This is my community. This is home. And the trees are an integral place of the part of the place that I call home. Welcoming shade in the summer, vivid colors in the fall, stark patterns of bare branches in the winter, dripping rain from new leaves in the spring. Harbingers and signatures of the seasons and years and weather, this town simply is not the same town without them. In her book, Precious Life, Judith Butler writes about mourning loss. When we lose some of the ties by which we are constituted, we do not know who we are or what to do. When the trees to which I am tied are lost, I am not sure who I am or what to do. This is the feeling philosopher Glenn Albrecht has named solastalgia or the homesickness you have when you are still at home. When your home environment is changing in ways you find distressing. From the Latin solasium or comfort and the Greek algia or pain, solastalgia speaks particularly to the powerlessness we feel over unfolding and negative environmental changes. And the closer the relationship we have to that which is threatened or lost, the more likely we are to experience solastalgia. The loss of these trees is a loss of comfort, of place, of home, and my place in it all. Now, I realize these trees are not the Brazilian rainforest. Their demise is not the same as losing 200,000 acres every single day of those precious lungs of the planet. And yet, these are the trees I and my neighbors and children and grandchildren see every day. If our local communities are the nurseries where we learn the values and the lessons and experience the feelings that form us and our life's work and journey, and if we treat the living things in our own backyard cavalierly and with callousness, 
How do we have a hope of stretching our commitment and compassion across the planet to care for the places and people we, not, we have not yet known? Yet just that is essential in order for the thriving of strangers and of us as well. Because yes, our interdependence stretches that far and wide. Both my local trees and those of the rainforest though share this. They stand in the way of human aspirations. We can make choices about how best to accommodate those, but the trees have no choice. They are at the mercy of others who make decisions about their fate. We have chosen how to be in relation to the trees and also the rivers, what care we extend to the animals and birds in the air and the water they live in and by. We are the arbiters, the ones making decisions on their behalf. We are the ones deciding the priorities the hierarchies of needs in which most often we take first place. In Jeremiah's words, we have stubbornly followed our own hearts, failing to understand the ways of God, steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. Nor have we paid much attention to the close to hand lessons from our kin, the ravens and lilies and the grass, who live as they do because they are one with creation. Instead, we preference ourselves. And even if we individually cultivate a more sustainable, a more mindful way of life, we still face this dilemma just by being alive here, now. We are a part of these human-centric, extracting, consuming, combusting, waste creating, and yes, tree cutting times. It is because of this activity taken to extremes in far too many places around the globe that the new report from the IPCC carries a code red for planet Earth. What do we do now? What do we do now? In mourning, and as solace, I often turn to these words from Adrian Rich. My heart is moved by all I cannot save. So much has been destroyed. I have to cast my lot with those who age after age, perversely, with no extraordinary power, reconstitute the world. Friends, we owe it to the trees, to the creatures of the air and land and water, to the earth, to God, and to ourselves, to do all we can to reconstitute the world. To do that, I offer these words as guidance and nourishment, as an invitation to witness to the suffering we share with all of creation, but also as a reminder that when we are able to steady our gaze and to share our losses with one another, what is revealed are renewed opportunities to work for justice. These are the words of my dear friend, Trevi Johnson. 
She writes, bow each day in gratitude to the trees and animals that still surround us, knowing that life is getting harder and harder for them. Offer a moment of silent meditation for the lands and waters and for all the beings who depend on them when those places around the world fall prey to destruction. Walk mindfully in a dried, drought-stricken lake bed. Make prayers to the vast and troubled sky. Sing to the trees in a dying forest. And in so doing, refuse to turn your back on reality. And then stubbornly, yet joyfully, refuse to succumb to helplessness. We so too easily exert our desires and wishes on creation, that very creation which supports us. And then when what we cherish is lost, we turn away from the damage and from one another. Let us for this short time given us, be bold in using some of our other God-given powers of creativity and humility and compassion and love for earth to forge another path forward, one that refuses to succumb to helplessness, one that dares to reconstitute the world. Blessed be and amen. Thank you for listening to the Faith in Maine podcast brought to you by the Episcopal Diocese of Maine. If you like this podcast, please leave a review and rating on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. That helps us spread God's word even further. Thank you.